Hey everyone, it's Rabbi Hannah with the Hilchava Podcast, and this week I talked with Hilchava member Eric Emanuel. He is a urologist and a father of two. And when I officiated his daughter's beautiful benot mitzvah about a year and a half ago or so, I had no idea that he was in the early-ish stages of a journey that would ultimately become a really difficult cancer journey. We spoke about what this process has been like for him, particularly as a physician himself, what it's like right now going through it, the different stages of his process, and just balancing life as a family member, a professional, and someone struggling with cancer. So for um, about two years prior to my diagnosis, I just didn't feel right. I was exhausted. I was having hot flashes. I um, it just something didn't feel right, and it was progressive over time to the point where uh, you know there were a couple points in time where I would see a couple patients go to my office, take a nap, even if it was five minutes, and get up and see a couple more patients. Like it just, there were times where I I thought to myself, "Wow, is this fifty? Because if this is fifty, this sucks." Yeah. Uh, and I saw my primary doctor, my general doctor, and I. Uh, had a full workup. I had all the blood tests that would be related to fatigue, uh, chronic fatigue. I had a, uh, x-rays, a CAT scan, um, and things sort of waxed and waned. I got a little bit better. I got a little bit worse. I got a little bit better. I got a lot worse. And I went through the full workup again. Um, I saw my primary doc. I saw an endocrinologist. I saw a neurologist. I wasn't ignoring any of this. I saw lots of doctors and had lots of tests. And all of my tests, uh, you know, imaging of my, my brain and my head and imaging of my chest, imaging of my abdomen and my pelvis. And strangely, though, in retrospect, we imaged almost everything except my neck, because who would think of a neck? Um, ultimately, I had a little lump on my neck and I had that, you know, when I went and saw an ENT that I know and he was obviously concerned. And that's sort of what opened, opened the box when I had that biopsy. But I had been going for two years with these just unexplainable symptoms and had been deep in the medical complex getting it worked up and finding nothing. But it all came back to that when I had this bump on my neck that was, di- that was biopsied on September 4th. And uh, eight days later, I had my first major surgery when we knew what it was. Was there any part of you that was relieved? Like, oh, at least we know what this is. At least like this thing that felt very serious is in fact serious and not just what 50 feels like. Or were you just devastated or was there a mix? I would say a mix. Like I I was displeased to have been correct that there was something real going on. But, you know, it, but again, if I, if just being as ex- as fatigued as I was was just a normal part of being in your fifties, then that would have been devastating, also. So, I, I don't have a good answer to that. It was, um, I was 
relieved that I was right, that something was wrong, but not really relieved. Like, it seems incredible that the cancer in your neck would have affected your whole body, like your whole, your, your energy. Like you were afraid that you wouldn't be able to hang for your daughter's bat mitzvah. Like as a doctor, like, does that not surprise you? No. Well, this wasn't just a cancer in my tonsil, which is where it started in my throat, but in my tonsil, this was by the time I was um, operated on in 15 lymph nodes in my neck. So this was something that was um, utilizing a ton of my energy. It was parasitically using my energy to expand and to grow. Um, So I'm not that surprised. You know, I think that these things... Um, and my own immune system presumably was revved up to try to keep it from growing. Going through all of this as a doctor, n- knowing what you knew, obviously you're not a specialist in this area, um, but you know a whole lot about the human body that um, the rest of us don't. Like, what was it like being a physician and going through cancer and recovery? It was really a hell of an experience. I tried not to enter my doctor knowledge in too much because I really don't know that much about head and neck cancers. My realm of expertise is on the other other end of the body, pretty much. I was able with my knowledge to navigate the system, but I didn't want or even try to enter my expertise or lack of expertise into a head and neck cancer, into the cancer I had, because it's not something I know much about. Right. That makes sense. So another question that I have for you as a professional and as a father and as someone who has been going through an enormous amount of, you know, physical trauma and difficulty, how did you manage, how did you juggle taking care of yourself surviving first and foremost healing being a father being a husband and being a professional but like how did you prioritize when you were trying to just to figure out how you would operate in your different roles with your different needs well my first priority is and was my family being there for my kids and doing what i could to drive them where they needed to go, be there for whatever they needed. I've always had a good balance between work and life. And, you know, I think that 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 served me well during this. I was able to do what I needed to do, but there definitely were times where I felt like I was pushing forth the bare minimum. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of extra energy to go the extra mile but I did what I could if that I don't know that that answers it because I guess the real answer is I don't really know how I did what I did I just I went back to work very early but I continued to work on a pretty limited schedule and still even now a year out I'm on a reasonably limited schedule and I just try to be around for my family as much as I can I mean that's the priority do you feel like it was about going as easy as possible 
so as to sustain yourself? Or do you think it was about like pushing as much as you could to do everything you needed to do? I or think neither of those think, the right? No, I think pushing. I think the more I, if I were to sit around and let myself do nothing, I would do nothing. You know, I had my surgery, my first surgery on September 12th. I got out of the hospital on September 27th and 15 days later, I went back to work. I didn't envision being able to kick back and take time. And in retrospect, if I had, I think I would have fared worse because I, I need to be busy. Yeah. Head and neck cancer sucks, though, I just have to say. For those of you that are listening and have a choice of what cancer you can get, don't get a head and neck cancer. Do you want to tell listeners just like a little bit about I mean, I'm sure every kind of cancer is awful in a different, different way, but like, what about head and neck cancer is so messed up? Uh, I mean, these guys ripped apart my throat um, with two major surgeries and um, the act of swallowing, although it is a very natural act for people, once your throat has been dissembled and put back together is anything but natural. Even a year out, um, as recently as today, when I saw my doctor, I'm still unable to swallow normally. I, my entire, a lot of my life focused on eating and drinking alone and or with other people. And I, my whole act of eating and drinking has changed um, irreversibly. Irreversibly. Um, and, you know, there's just a new, I'll have to determine or I'll have to settle into a new normal, but I've not yet. I, I, every, every meal is a challenge. Um, breaking the fast with a bagel was a significant challenge. Wow. Congratulations though. That's big. Yeah. But it's, wow, the, the side effects of the surgery and the radiation are just astounding. And you said that like your body has been changed irreversibly by this. Could you talk about like when you realized that, how that felt for you at first? Well, I'm, I'm really sort of not coping with it yet. I'm, uh, you know, as, as, I'm still in significant denial. I want to be able to go and eat a bagel without thinking twice about it, without it being an hour-long endeavor. Um, it's one of the significant issues that creates tension in, in my house when we eat dinner together and I'm making those snarfing and guttural sounds that no one wants to be sitting next to uh, you don't want to hear them at your dinner table and it's me. And, um, there will be some improvement from where I am over time, but also some, uh, continued side effects and progression of, of the effects of the radiation where I is for every step forward, I might take two steps backward even. So, you know, every day is a new normal or a new abnormal. Yeah. I mean, everybody has to come to terms with bodies changing in ways that are like hard and unpredictable at one point or another, but like you're having to do it 
much more rapidly and all at once in a very major way at a pretty young age. Well, I used to be young. I'm not anymore. <laughs> I'm, I've, it's aged me uh, significantly. <laughs> I definitely feel older than I did. I feel m more beaten up than I did. Yeah. That's yeah. because I'm more beaten up than I was. Right. That makes sense. When you think about the way that your family, your friends, your community supported you or tried to support you, what do you recall was especially helpful, made you feel especially good? And what do you recall was upsetting, counterproductive? Um, you know, I don't think there was anything that were, were any of those negatives. Anyone that anytime someone reached out, anytime someone came to visit, anytime someone dropped an email or a text um, just with positive words, it was helpful. It was um, appreciated. It was um, it, it, positive energy had a positive impact on my psyche. You know, people that I thought of as sort of peripheral, you know, acquaintance slash friendly-ish, but who stopped by and came to visit in the hospital and um, continue to reach out today. Those things <clears throat> were very helpful. Um, and when my rabbi came to visit me, that was the best of everything. I loved visiting you in the hospital. I loved being able to spend that time with you. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad it was helpful. I have um, a uh, memo, of, uh, what is it, an audio memo or a recording of you and Shauna each singing Misha Berach. Yeah. Misha Berach. Can't say the word now. And I like it. It's beautiful. That's cool that you still have that and listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was yeah. There, were there ways that people tried to support you that ended up actually not being so helpful at all? No. Any support that anyone tried to offer was is positive. Not uh, so. I can't think of a negative. That's awesome to hear. So, like for listeners who <laughs> who have either a loved one or like a just a kind of casual friend. Um, who is suffering with something like this, who like want to help your advice, which is sort of be like, do your best and go for it. Don't think too hard about it. Yeah. Any, uh, yeah, I don't know how you could find a negative in someone trying to reach out and offer their energy to you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there are things that are always going around online. Like, things not to say to someone with cancer or whatever. Does that, does that resonate with you? Like, yeah, I guess there are some things you just don't want to say, or are you like, that's overly sensitive and I. Yeah, I think that's overly sensitive. I think that there are, I, I, I can't think of anyone that reached out that I think had a negative intent. And even if, what someone did or said didn't come out, didn't resonate as in a way that was positive for me. If, as long as I know that their intent was positive and it, it was, um, it, it always is. Then I think that, that there's, 
that's all that matters. That's beautiful. I, it, I mean, is it, it might be our internet connection, but it sounds like you're getting pretty emotional, like in a way that you didn't get emotional when you were talking about all the physical stuff you've been going through, but just thinking about the way people have been with you through this, it sounds like this is what's getting, it's what's getting you. Well, not so much just the people, just thinking about what I've been through does over the last couple of weeks make me much more emotional, very emotional. I mean, to see your own mortality in front of you, it's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little crazy. Yeah. You feel like your relationship with Judaism, with prayer, with days like Yom Kippur have changed since this all began? Um, you know, at many steps through the process, I thought, now I know why people become more religious when this kind of thing happens. And then a week later, I was right back to where I was. So um, I don't know is my only answer to that. I don't feel like I've had a, a religious awakening because of this. Um, I have always come to Judaism with a certain mindset, and I think I'm at about the same place. I don't, um, I don't think this has altered my religion. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for just like bearing all of this to the community. You know, it's really personal stuff, and it's also stuff that I think is really important for people to hear because I think it's relevant to nearly every life. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I'm not as articulate as I thought I would be, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hell of a ride Yeah, that I don't recommend to anyone. Don't go on this ride. Yeah, seriously. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone has any real control over it. That is not 100% true. Um, don't smoke. Don't uh, chew tobacco. I, now, mine was not tobacco or smoke related. Um, get your kids the HPV vaccine. Don't be a buffoon and don't be an anti-vaxxer. This particular disease is preventable. Now, the vaccine didn't exist when I was a kid, but it exists right. now. And not only that, but I, th I think it came out when I was like a teenager and it was only available to teens. I think now it's available for definitely adults i don't yeah, know i think up to is. age 46 that sounds like a very random cutoff but it's a high enough cutoff that i bet a lot of listeners could be getting the gardasil vaccine right about now it's pretty great yeah 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 thank you dr eric you're welcome <laughs> I am so grateful to Eric for his openness and his willingness to share all of this hard stuff that not only was hard, but actually continues to be hard. I think it's just a reminder of how some of the most difficult and painful stories can also be um, some of the most uh, important to hear and really beautiful. I'm so grateful to him for sharing. Speaking of difficult stories, and beautiful stories and important stories. 
this weekend, Simchat Torah is coming up. It's the time when we finish reading the Torah and immediately start it over again. And, you know, there's a lot of partying, dancing around with the Torah, parading. And I've definitely heard some people say it feels like we are um, idolizing the Torah a little bit. So there's a, a tweet that I read earlier this week, and we'll link to it in the show notes, that I think responds really well to that. So the poster said, like, this is how she likes to explain Judaism to people. And so it's like a dialogue. It's okay. God says, hey, this is the Torah. I worked really hard on this. And then it says, Jews, colon, silence. Jews, colon, silence. Jews, colon. Hey, original poster, do you take constructive criticism? (laughs) I just think that's so perfect and so right. And that so much of our relationship with Torah is appropriately the wrestle and the struggle um, and the interpretation and reinterpretation and reconstruction. And so much of that is made possible because of a feeling of closeness with it and also love for it, Um, but not the kind of love that doesn't involve a lot of constructive criticism. Um, So I hope you have a meaningful Simchat Torah. Um, Have fun with it as well, and we will talk to you next week. Part of the same starlit sky Baruch Atah